0: Welcome to the BreastCancer.org podcast, the award winning podcast that brings you the latest information on breast cancer research, treatments, side effects, and survivorship issues through expert interviews, as well as personal stories from people affected by breast cancer. Here's your host, BreastCancer.org senior editor, Jamie DiPolo.
1: Hello, thanks for listening. Our guest today is Wesleyan Cespedes of Brooklyn, New York. She was diagnosed with stage three triple negative breast cancer at age 30 in March of this year, just as New York City was deciding when and what to shut down because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Wesleyan joins us today to talk about her journey through breast cancer diagnosis and treatment. Wesleyan, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me, Jamie. It's such an honor to talk to you. So if you don't mind, could you Take us back to your diagnosis. Um, What led to it? Were you having symptoms? Do you have a history of breast cancer in your family? That's a crazy thing. No history of
0: breast cancer that I know of. They did the genetic testing and it came back negative. So back in February 2020, I just felt a lump. I felt a lump out of nowhere and... I was having conversations at that time with um, my coworkers like, Oh, I feel this lump. And they're like, Oh, it might be nothing. It might just be a cyst. Even with my, one of my close friends, she was like, yeah, I had a cyst. They just had to drain it. So um, I work in a middle school. So I was thinking, okay, in March, like early March, I have a day off from work. I'm I'm going to go to the gynecologist and just check it out. I went And they referred me to a Brooklyn hospital for a uh, breast biopsy. And that's when I found out that it came back positive for malignant cells. And um, that was in the middle of March. They said that you have breast cancer. And when I went to the Brooklyn hospital for the biopsy, that's when they told me it was triple negative, stage three, and... At that same time was when schools were closing. <laughs> my principal had told the, the, the middle school team, like, hey, get ready. We, we might be closing soon due to the COVID-19. And so I'm just like preparing for that. But also my world is like going crazy because this is happening on top of a pandemic. And it was a lot to process. In that March, I, I remember when I went to the gynecologist, and she called me. She was like, "Come in, I need to need to tell you your results." At the time, my coworkers, <laughs> they they kind of knew. They they said that you know their results were said over the phone, like, "Oh, it's just a cyst," but for them, they were like, "Oh, she, she had to go in," and I'll always remember that, like, um, my my husband. Then, fiance, but my husband was waiting for me in the car and um he basically i basically went in masked the the gynecologist told me like, "Hey, it looks like it's cancer, and I'm just tears in my eyes and but and you could see that she wanted to give me a hug mm-hmm. but I didn't social distancing it was such an emotional moment, but you know, no one could be there with me. <laughs> and I look back on it and I'm like, wow.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's, that's pretty incredible. Did you, did you kind of have to sit there for a, at least a few minutes before you could go back outside and talk to your husband?
0: I did. I sat there, but it was quick though. Cause it was just like, like I'm in this space. You don't know about the virus, how to catch it. What, what's, what's going on with it. So it was kind of like, okay, I'm getting this information. I'm crying, like tears are going inside my mask. And then I'm like, okay, she's like, hey, I'm referring you to this Brooklyn hospital for more follow-up care and treatment. And it was just a quick, quick go. And I know like pre-COVID, it wouldn't have happened like that. I would have had my husband with me inside the office. The doctor would have hugged me, like all this kind of stuff. And it was just a lot of a lot of social distancing, pe- everyone in mass.
1: Definitely a very strange situation. Now, COVID was going on when you were diagnosed, kind of just really getting rolling, but you were also planning your wedding. So, you, I mean, this is kind of like a swirling vortex of very stressful things that are going on. So I guess I kind of want to talk about the pandemic first. Do you feel like it affected any of your treatment options or your care in any way?
0: So even though I was referred to the Brooklyn Hospital, I ended up having my chemotherapy and all the remaining of my care at Mount Sinai in this in Manhattan. And the reason for that is because March and April just watching the news like the five boroughs specifically Brooklyn and I live in Brooklyn, Brooklyn and Queens were being portrayed as just major hotspots. And that was one of the decisions of like, I'm not going to continue. I'm not going to seek out chemotherapy at the Brooklyn hospital. I'm going to get a second opinion at Mount Sinai. And also my husband, as this is going on, he's like, Hey, can I tell my, can he tell his best friend about everything that I'm going through with the diagnosis? And I said, sure, you're going to need that support. And in him telling his best friend, he told his wife. His wife works at Mount Sinai, and was able to be at at my appointment and during and visit me during treatment. And that kind of is the loophole that I that I realized in all this because with chemotherapy and and going into the Dubin Breast Center, I what the 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 policy is no visitors because mm-hmm. of COVID. Sure. Right. And so I managed to have four women that I know work at Dubin Breast Center at Mount Sinai and they were able to visit me during my treatment. So it it made it it made the experience not feel so as much lonely.
1: Oh wow, that's that's pretty crazy that you would know four people that work there. I, and did and did you know that before you decided to go to Mount Sinai for treatment?
0: I didn't. I didn't. I was thinking like his wife got on the phone with me and was like, "You are going to see Dr. Port. He is amazing. All right, I'm going to be with you." So when I saw, so it was such a difference in the Brooklyn hospital that I went to, and they're telling me the course of action with my um, triple negative breast cancer is treat is chemotherapy, then surgery. And my husband's on the phone, but he's actually in the car because but he can't come in. And with Mount Sinai, I was able to have. Um, My friend Jennifer, the wife, Mm -hmm. came in with me to meet with Dr. Port. She was there to just hold my hand. And I'll I'll have more more to say about that. But it was just a a blessing to just have these women that work at Mount Sinai in different aspects to visit me during my treatment, when I have appointments, things like that. Because, you know, I couldn't bring my family, couldn't bring my other friends.
1: Yeah. So it sounds like, I know a lot of people talked about how they really felt like they couldn't maintain their support system, but it sounds like you might've been able to maintain a little bit.
0: Yes, definitely. Like in the beginning, my bridal party. So we're planning a wedding, right? My <laughs> my husband proposed to me um, in Central Park, October Aww. 2019. Right. And you know, being stressed with, with planning a wedding and then now being diagnosed with breast cancer. Mm-hmm. And all you hear is you, you, you can't be around people, right? You have to mm-hmm. social distance, you have to isolate. And it was hard because my bridal party are, women, are nine women that I've grown up with that have um, known me from different life experiences. And they can't support me the way they could at this time. But the way they did was they sent me care packages. We had a virtual bridal party. One of my friends, she lived by herself. Her family's down in Texas. She actually was able to take me to my appointment, to, to my first four rounds of chemotherapy. Because my husband was work, still working at home. And I needed someone to just drive me. And so she drove me. I stayed for my chemotherapy treatment. She waited either sometimes three hours or five hours and drove me back home. And wow. she's like, I don't have anyone living at home with me except for my dog. <laughs> so I'm the perfect person to take you. And I have another friend who just, you know, found out different free because after a while, Uber rides. Get expensive going <laughs> sure. in and out the city from Brooklyn. So she signed me up for Accessoride. And with Accessoride, they no longer do share rides. It's a private car that'll come pick you up and it's funded by cancer care. So she found out that information, filled it out for me. It was just a lot of different support. There was another friend who bought me, and they all did, they all chipped in, but bought me a humidifier that really helped when I had chemotherapy symptoms, like nosebleeds. I didn't mm. even know I needed a humidifier for a nosebleed, but <laughs> <laughs> she 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 gave me that and also gifted my, um. they all gifted my husband with a massage chair. Oh, wow.
1: That's amazing.
0: So, so they did what they can virtually and just through the mail of sending me stuff and just encouraging me. And my oh. mom, my mom is the biggest support of all, so.
1: Now she lives close? She lives close by and
0: constantly was making soups, all types of soups to to send my way.
1: Oh, that's so sweet. Um, Were you concerned at all? So, you know, chemotherapy does knock back your immune system. You know, what steps did you take during the pandemic and and are you continuing to take them?
0: I listened to the guidelines set by the CDC and Dr. Fauci. I'm going to put it out there. (laughs) So I remember March, April, May, I definitely was big on like the N95 mask. I'm like, I'm now immunocompromised. I don't Mm -hmm. want to catch anything. But now I just go outside with a regular mask. (laughs) So that's that's how tired I am of wearing masks. But I always ensure that I have my hand sanitizer, my mask. I'm washing my hands and that's pretty much it and social distancing. So I'm like, if I don't know you, we're going to maintain this six feet. And that's what I did during chemotherapy, during appointments that I have to go to. That's what I continue to do. And when I am in either an Uber or an accessoride, ride, I tell them to roll down the windows.
1: Mm. Okay. Okay. Makes sense. Makes sense. So, I also want to talk about your wedding. So how how did you, because you are married now, so I, I feel like you're superwoman, that you did all these things in the middle of a pandemic.
0: It was, it was a lot. Like, I look back and I'm like, is this my life? Like, <laughs> I'm just the regular girl from Brooklyn. <laughs> um, so yeah, my husband proposed to me October 9th, October Columbus Day. I'm like, Today, today's in, in, in Indigenous Day.
1: Right. Oh, so just about a year ago. Right? Yeah.
0: And he proposed to me 2019, and so just planning the wedding. So, you know, picked out my bridal party, picked out the bridesmaids' dresses, wedding dress from David's bridal, all that kind of stuff. We were going to get married in Connecticut, venue with uh, 120 people. And then so the date of the wedding was set for May 2nd, 2020. Okay. Once I was diagnosed, the focus is just getting treatment, making sure I'm okay, all the next steps that we need to do. And with the, the guidelines of, of everything shutting down and social distancing, um, we ended up getting married May 25th, Memorial Day. I gave my bridal party four day notice (laughs) because everything was getting pushed back. Like the venue, they called us, they said, Hey, we can reschedule for August 1st. And then August 1st, wasn't going to work out. Right. David's bridal. There were issues getting my dress because it was still in the alterations department, but the store was still closed. My bridesmaids still haven't gotten their dresses mailed to them. So it was so many moving pieces that weren't coming together so I gave my bridal party 4 days notice and I said, "Hey, we're going to get ma- we want to get married May 25th. Let's make it happen." And they did. It was a beautiful day. We got married in the front lawn of my maid of honor's house in Long Island. How oh, nice. My parents walked me down her driveway. And yeah, we said our I do there, shared our 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 first kiss there, and it was great. And then the, it was, so it was the bridal party, a couple of groomsmen, the officiant, my family and his family. And then the cars, some of the cars were parked in the front because it was a quiet, it was a quiet neighborhood in Long Island mm-hmm. and it worked out. And then my friend, he was a, he's a photographer. So he was like in the bushes trying to hear <laughs> every beautiful moment. But yeah, luckily we got a full refund from, the venue oh good yeah we got a full refund from the venue so i was so happy to have that money back in my bank account
1: <laughs> i bet
0: i bet and then i only got store credit in regards to the wedding dress i wore a white dress that i had in my closet that my i have two older sisters and we had went to an all-white party so oh was- yeah
1: like the the supper en blanc or something yeah. like that yeah yeah. okay <laughs>
0: And so I wore that for my wedding, but I wasn't able to wear my wedding dress. So I think it was two weekends ago we went to David's Bridal. They gave us store credit. So maybe in the future, just have like a have a big old party.
1: <laughs> sure, sure. Now I I have to ask: Were you undergoing chemotherapy when you got married, or did you did you get married first and then start chemo?
0: I started chemo April seventeenth. So oh, so I- you were undergoing chemotherapy. They and, gave me like a week, sorry. They gave me like a week break in order for me to just have enough energy to um, get married.
1: <laughs> yes, that's actually what I was going to ask, you know, was it was it really taxing to to do both of those things at the same time?
0: Not as yet. I feel like I feel like my body was still holding on to energy April April and May. It started getting taxing towards the end so I finished September 25th I would say early August into September was when my body was just like I'm over it I'm super tired I'm fatigued it's really hard to stay focused but I still I was still able to bounce back after every treatment with like a good good white blood cell count red blood cell count platelet count but August into September, my counts were really low. Like I started needing blood transfusions and ever. So sometimes I would get like a week break in order for my body to bounce back. And that would discourage me because I'm like, I want to make it.
1: <laughs> so this, but
0: mm-hmm. My body has to be able to be at a point where it can handle the chemotherapy.
1: Right. And you've been done with chemo for a couple weeks now, about two and a half. Okay. And how do you feel now? Are you feeling better?
0: I'm feeling better. I'm starting to exercise a bit. Some resistant band training though. Nothing too crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, Zumba. So I YouTube some Zumba stuff. Woo. <laughs> and hopefully in a month or so I might uh, like get a stationary bike and just, oh. you know, get the get the blood pumping a bit.
1: Sure. Now I have to ask you um, because there is some controversy about ringing the bell at the end of chemo. What, what did you decide to do?
0: So I do understand the controversy. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, it was a big show when I rang the bell. So at the Dubin center, all the, all the suites, like it's different rooms for each chemo patient and I remember I told you, I know four ladies that work at Mount Sinai. So when it was my last day, they came with balloons and flowers and snacks. And I loved it. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I loved it. And I couldn't wait. I was just sitting there like, I can't be ring the bell. And I did. I rang the bell like it was the Liberty Bell. I rang it <laughs> so many times. But I understand the controversy because a month prior to that, I, I was receiving treatment. I stayed late. I, I it was I stayed until like maybe seven thirty p.m. I was there since like noon. Oh wow! Treatment and then a blood transfusion because my counts were low, and then I had to wait on a meta immunity booster shot from the pharmacy. So I'm waiting in the suite watching TV. And I had remember earlier, you know, going to the restroom, I saw this woman in plain clothes on a stretcher in one of the suites. Didn't think anything of it, but I thought it was odd that she would be on a hospital stretcher instead of like a regular recliner like the rest of us. And so it's 7 p.m. and then I hear one of the nurses call out her name. Hey, can you hear me? Can you wake up, please? Can you hear me? And then all the nurses in the wing just rush into her room. There's about 10 to 15 nurses, then the oncology team. So my doctors were in her room and I'm witnessing all this, you know, I'm lowering the TV so I can hear Mm -hmm. and they're checking her blood sugar. They're, they, they called the ICU, the the emergency room unit and the ICU unit. And they're, they're trying to see what's wrong and she's not responsive. And I'm just like, not many people get to ring the bell,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that is what came that's what i thought that's that Those were the thoughts that were coming in my mind, and it was scary. It was like even though I'm experiencing this, I'm hopeful about ringing the bell, that's not the case for everyone, and that might not be the case for me too you know you I go to my appointments and they say like you know you're responding well to treatment, everything's going fine, but anything can happen you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that was a scary time and then A week after that happened, the oncology team, like, they came in for, with, I had a follow-up appointment, and they were asking me, how did that feel? Because they saw, I saw everything, and I, and I know because of HIPAA laws, they can't tell me what happened to this person, and I'm just like, honestly, I really hope that she made it, and honestly, me ringing the bell, I'm, I'm thinking, like, I'm ringing the bell for those that can't. And I understand like, if there is like, if they gave me a certificate and, and it wasn't a big show, I would be okay with it too, you know? So I, I get both sides. I get the hopeful happiness of, of ringing the bell and, and, being end, and coming to an end to this chemo chapter journey. But I also get like not having that hope of ringing the bell. So it was, that was wild.
1: Yeah, I bet it was very, very intense. It
0: was.
1: Yeah. Now, are you scheduled for surgery? If I'm remembering right, you were going to have chemo and then surgery. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, so I, I'm i scheduled for surgery October 20th. Oh, so very soon.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, how, are, how are you feeling about that?
0: I am so nervous <laughs> I, uh... because I've never had surgery before. It would oh be-
1: nothing like not even your tonsils or anything like that.
0: No, I'm I'm trying to relate it to when I had my um wisdom teeth pulled out. So I'm I'm a big wuss. I <laughs> I can't do the needle in the gum. <laughs> I t- I when I've gotten my wisdom teeth pulled out twice and I told them to knock me out. So I remember the first time it felt like They were attacking me, so it was a blurry. I was like, who are all these people around me, you know? And then the second time, it was like, I blinked, and I was like, hey, are you guys going to start? And they were like, we're done. (laughs) So I'm trying to say, you've experienced that, so it's the same thing.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. And what type of surgery are you having? Are you having mastectomy or lumpectomy or...?
0: I will be having a lumpectomy followed by radiation, five weeks of radiation.
1: Got it. Okay. And will you, is that all happening at Mount Sinai as well?
0: Yes. It's all happening at Mount Sinai.
1: Okay. And so you have, you kind of have your same support team there to help you with this as well.
0: Yes. And they told me that my husband can come in like in the waiting room area and things like that. Okay. So I'm happy. I'm hoping that still stays the same because I know numbers are kind of rising in in New York City. So I'm mm-hmm. like, please, I just I just want my husband in the waiting room. That's all I want. <laughs> Not in the car.
1: Understandable. Do you feel like your diagnosis has changed you at all?
0: Oh my goodness, it has. Of course, it has. I I. Try not to take life for granted. You know, it's built, definitely built my faith because in the moments where I'm by myself receiving treatment, you know, I'm praying, I'm, I'm listening to to gospel music. I'm just, yeah, it's definitely built my faith. It's definitely a pre- helped me appreciate my loved ones, my parents, my sisters, my friends, my husband, my daughter. I have a 13-year-old daughter. It's helped me to be vulnerable. Like If you ask people uh, in my life, they'll say, yes, Wesleyan is super independent. <laughs> she, she does things on her own. And definitely with, with cancer, you need a support system. You need help. So many people in my life have seen me cry. I I try not to cry and I'm like crying every, every day. It has changed me so, so much. Like even being vulnerable with the students that I work with, I work in a middle school and they know because they've seen me. I didn't, I didn't think they watched the news, but they, a few of them reached out to me and were like, Hey, we saw you on, on the news. You have breast cancer. And I'm like, yeah.
1: I do. Oh, wow. Why were they doing a story on treatment during COVID or is that why you were on the news? Yeah. Okay.
0: New York one did a story on um, treatment during COVID and my wedding. So that, (gasps) yeah. Okay. So they, that's how my middle schoolers found out, but it was weird to just be open about my life. Like that's not me at all. I'm, I'm a private person and now I'm, I'm open about my life sharing on social media whenever I can. I just wanna I feel like now I just want to make an impact. Like what am I what am I doing? <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Like maybe you could help other people going through the yeah. same thing?
0: Help learn more, advocate. Now I'm part of a community that I never thought I would be a part of. And I just wanna know everything I can and do everything I can in 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 this community. And October is breast cancer awareness month, right? Very like true. Other Octobers before, it would just pass me by. And now I'm like, no, you're part of this community. What can you do?
1: I want to ask you a little bit about being vulnerable because other people have told me asking for help was one of the hardest things that they had to do. And could you just talk a little bit about that, how it how it felt for you?
0: It It was a challenge in the beginning because it was it's not in my nature to. I would I wouldn't say a form of pride, but I feel like a lot of people rely on me in terms of, you know, my daughter, my parents. I'm very helpful and I like feeling needed. And in this time of a pandemic, having cancer, I can't help. I need the help. I need help with Meals, I need help to get to the, to get to doctor's appointments. I need help with prayer, with, with, with my job, you know, I'm a, I'm a school counselor. I work with middle schoolers and I'm, I'm asking, you know, that was something that I needed to do to reveal to my coworkers. Like I, I need help with what I do in my job, you know, be patient, be kind. It's just weird when it's not in your character Mm -hmm. and it definitely helped me grow and and know that people will be there for you.
1: Okay. Now it sounds like aside from the women at the cancer center, your husband was a big support person for you. Did did you, trying to think of how to phrase it, did you kind of have that relationship already where he was supporting you or were you more independent?
0: I was grow a bit of more independent but definitely learning how to how to be in a relationship because when we met it was on a blind date. <laughs> we had one mutual friend who wasn't really trying to set us up. She was she just had reached out to me and reached out to him and was like, "Hey, you know, my um my my boyfriend is coming to visit, you know, let's do a double date. I can find someone you can hang out with too." And that was that. And from that date, it he said he like he was amazed by the first date. And I'm over here like, oh, it was all right. <laughs> but what I loved is that he stayed consistent in a friendship. He got to know me and my daughter. He's not my daughter's father, but definitely, you know, getting to know, a, she was what? 12 or 11 at the time getting to know a preteen is challenging <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: but he he definitely took his time built that friendship with us we started dating he proposed and in our engagement season you know he he got a, a place for us in Brooklyn so I'm still at my mom's place just slowly moving our stuff in but that was the reason why we're like hey we're gonna get married in May so he can better support me right he's 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 seen me <laughs> in all types of emotions he's helped me with with meals um just that just the emotional support the physical support the the spiritual support like he couldn't have done that if we kept postponing our wedding date you know to august 1st to to november whatever you know so we were like we had to let go of everything you know and And just get married may twenty fifth and it was great. I married my best friend.
1: <laughs> that's wonderful that's wonderful, and it almost sounds like you know how when when a metal is forged, like it goes through this heat and it and it comes out stronger, it sounds kind of like that's what your relationship did because you met and then you had to go through these things. And and I know sometimes people say, well, it'll either break you apart or it'll make you stronger. And it sounds like it made the both of you very much stronger.
0: It definitely has. It's a lot as a young married couple to go through, <laughs> to go through um, a pandemic and cancer on top of it, which is why I'm like, this is like out of a soap opera or a movie. And I'm like, what can I do with it? I need to share what is going on to help other people.
1: Absolutely. So you said you're feeling pretty good right now. What are you doing to relieve your stress or to have fun?
0: Oh my goodness. Trying to have fun in a pandemic.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think we're all looking for some pointers on that.
0: Oh, oh, I think I'm the wrong person. But <laughs> for the most part, definitely a lot of Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime videos, <laughs> YouTube. Like I said, I started exercising. So, and looking at a bunch of just healthy meal prep recipes. What else? I I do visit my mom a lot. His parents. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're really much at home. Like we're just enjoying each other's company. And then definitely anything Zoom worthy. I know uh, a month ago our church had like a, a karaoke, a zoom karaoke kind of thing going on. No, it was a lip limp lip sync battle. I'm so sorry. <laughs> lip sync battle. And then there's like a mom's night, virtual mom's night out. So everything virtual, but he's not into the virtual stuff. He's quietly waiting for the world to come back to normal. And I'm over here like, hun, we can try and have a new normal. <laughs> like so that's where we're at so i'm always attending any virtual thing that i can there was one thing on the list was like a virtual comedy show i like oh. yeah so everything that i did back pre covid if it, if i can do it virtually that's where i can
1: um, okay did you cook a lot before covid you talked about how healthy meal prep were were you were you a foodie beforehand
0: definitely a foodie did i cook no I- <laughs> I ate I did not (laughs) but now that I'm not at my mom's house anymore and you know I'm here definitely cooking more definitely smoothies like I'm, I'm a lot of green juices trying to put more so when my counts were low like my platelet count white blood cell count red red blood cell count I looked into things that would bring them up and definitely a lot of leafy green spinach kale And I'm not the type of person to just eat it straight. So I'm like, what can I blend this with? Okay, spinach, kale, blueberries, bananas, ginger, lemon, everything. So usually every, if not every day, every two days, I'm blending up something like that.
1: And and you like them? They taste good? Yeah, they do. Okay, good you can eat. i have to say that my brother told me this he believes that there is no such thing as a banana smoothie because his opinion is when you put a banana in anything it tastes like banana
0: so, <laughs> do you agree <laughs> i do like i can put a whole bunch of spinach kale cucumbers that one banana even if it's a small one it's just a banana smoothie <laughs>
1: I'll have to tell him that because I I didn't agree and his daughters didn't agree, but there's somebody that agrees. So I know you've got surgery coming up, which is probably also more stress in your life, but are there things that you're looking forward to?
0: I am definitely looking forward to my hair growing back. I see a peach fuzz.
1: I'm like, hey. Is the color or texture at all different or does it look pretty much the same? So it's not curly, but it might grow out curly
0: um, in a little bit. It's really like spiky and a lot of gray hairs. (laughs) No. (laughs) I'm like, no, I told my husband I'm going to
1: come out looking like storm. Oh, yeah.
0: After after radiation, just you wait.
1: (laughs) You have to send us a picture because that would be very cool.
0: Right. Definitely. Definitely will. So yeah, definitely waiting for my hair to grow back some more things that I'm looking forward to stepping into. So right now I'm working remotely and I have that accommodation up until January, but to be honest, you know, I could have that accommodation uh, for a while, but stepping into the building, we started in-person learning this week. So I work mm. in a school in Harlem. So definitely me setting foot in that building would be like, like so much like, I'm like, I don't. I don't even like. I can't even picture it. But for me to step into the building for in-person learning, is, after all of this going on in my journey, it would be a dream. It would be a dream.
1: Does that make you nervous at all? It. Yes and no.
0: Yes and no. Because you know you've been cooped up in the house for so long. You kind of want to see what's out there, you know. But I don't want to take for granted of like. the the risk, like the risk, it's a high risk. I was, I was, there's this Instagram, she's on Instagram, but Tia Stokes, she has leukemia and COVID. So with me going through cancer, I'm exposing myself to other people that are going through cancer and and the online communities that are out there. And it really helps, you know, you can get so much support from um, the people around you, but you get a greater sense of support from people that have gone through it and with her journey with leukemia and now with COVID, like definitely I don't want to take for granted the risk of going outside, but it just brings you a different sense of appreciation for just living life. You know, I do Mm -hmm. see on my, my feed, my friends going out, hiking or, or bike riding or things like that. And those are things that I want to do when I get better. And, you know, I just, yeah, I, I, I want to experience life, even in this pandemic, in a safe way. <laughs> but that's what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to a year from now, or maybe two years from now, celebrating, having a, a wedding, <laughs> having a wedding, going on a honeymoon, our honeymoon was, um, we, we got the money back from our for our honeymoon, but we didn't have we didn't get to go away anywhere.
1: Where were you going to go? We were going to go to DR. Oh,
0: Yeah, we were going to go to DR. He, he set everything up. So I honestly don't know anything else except for the location. That <laughs> to to DR. But yeah, definitely want to experience those things. You know, you don't know how long you have.
1: Okay. Well, thank you so much. Is there anything else you want to tell or share with us before we go? Um,
0: self-care is important.
1: Oh yeah, I guess that that would be a good question. What, so you've been through this. Mm-hmm. What, would you, what would you tell other people? What do you want other people to know?
0: Get yourselves checked out, you know, go to your primary care physician. If you feel something, say something. <laughs> and even in, I know it, it can be scary to go to the hospital, to your primary care physician in a pandemic, but definitely, you know, wear your mask, Wash your hands, um, social distance, and get the care that you need. You know, don't delay it for any anything. Like run those blood tests, get examined. You know, and and just find out where you're at, so you can make an informed decision about wh- what you want to do next.
1: Very, very good, Wesleyan. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate your time and your sharing your story, because I think as you said it's always helpful for other people to hear how other people handled these things so thank you so much for sharing thank you
0: thank you for listening to the breastcancer.org podcast please subscribe on itunes or wherever you listen to podcasts to share your thoughts about this or any episode email us at podcast breastcancer.org or leave feedback on the podcast episode landing page on our website and remember you can find a lot more information about breast cancer at breastcancer.org. And you can connect with thousands of people affected by breast cancer by joining our online community.